Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, and thanks for tuning into News Data's Energy West podcast. I'm Jason Fordney, editor of California Energy Markets. With me today is CEM Associate Editor Abigail Sawyer. How are you today, Abigail? Doing pretty well, Jason. Good to be here. Yeah. How was your weekend? It was it was kind of mellow. Um, we had a warm day and a foggy day and uh, got a little walking in, city walking. Nice views, good light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Glad to hear that. It's um, Yeah, it was similar up where I am, north of you. Um, hot Saturday, cooled off on Sunday. Yeah. Not too bad. But yeah. I'm uh, actually up near Portola right now at uh, doing a little bit of traveling in the Plumas National Forest. So, oh, exciting. Yeah, it's it's quite quite beautiful up here. Really enjoying it. Good. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into our news items today from CEM uh, Friday issue. Staff of the California Air, Re- Air Resources Board proposed the latest round of regulations aimed at transitioning the state's vehicle fleet to zero emission vehicles. This will also meet state emissions and ZEV adoption goals. This is the Advanced Clean Cars 2 proposal, which is a component uh, of the most sweeping change to the automotive industry in its history. This is according to commenters at a June 9th hearing in Sacramento. Uh, these, these are proposed regulations from staff. Uh, they would amend the low emission vehicle regulation, the zero emission vehicle regulation, and some associated testing procedures. The board didn't vote on the regulations, but heard from staff on updates to this program. Uh, Staff will bring final proposed regulations to the board at another hearing in late summer. So CARB is focused on five major areas. The first is being uh, ZEV readiness, which includes streamlining of permits, uh, the energization process, building codes, local planning, and other initiatives. Other focus areas include reliability, alignment of funding opportunities, support for ZEV procurement and fleets, and implementation of funding for consumer awareness. The latest round of these regulations would require new minimum technical requirements for ZEVs, including a 150-mile minimum label range, as well as warranties covering parts and batteries. Other areas are data standardization, charging cord requirements, and service information And the regulations also include assurance measures that address warranties, durability, serviceability, streamline charging, and battery labeling uh, to make make sure consumers can replace their internal combustion vehicles with ZEVs. And this is really the heart of the matter, I would take it, right? Uh, CARB appearing to address some of the more practical and ongoing uh, issues that we have with ZEV adoption. So yeah, um, big proposal here. Uh, I do notice from this that the ZEV share of new light duty vehicle sales is growing. It's about 11% in California. Wow. Uh, Yeah. um, Colorado, 6.4%. Connecticut, 5.2%. Maine, 3.9%. New Jersey, 5.8%. So Yeah. I know you're a big renewables, clean energy person, so I imagine you find that kind of encouraging. 
Yeah, I do. I, I think it's interesting, though, too, especially, you know, talking about the increasing adoption in the West, because there's a lot of open space. And I know there's still a lot of range anxiety and a lot of, a lot of issues around trying to address some of that. Um, yes. So getting those charging stations across those wide expanses is going to be interesting. Although having driven through the West many, many times, um, you know, I've, I've not run out of gas on the road, so I'm, I'm pretty convinced <laughs> that even if, uh, you know, with a little planning, <laughs> driving an, a, yeah. uh, an EV across that same stretch is definitely doable <laughs> in the near future. If not now, I mean, certainly now too, actually, depending on what roads you take. But Yeah, it's funny. I drove a few hours through pretty rural part of NorCal yesterday, um, saw I'm seeing more chargers. Um, there's charging station outside where I am here at Chalet View Lodge. Um, yeah, they're starting to pop up everywhere. Yeah, glad to see it, especially in the rural rural areas. You're going to need more of this. Um, Definitely. And yeah, course. and there's issues like I don't think they should be as proprietary as they are. Yeah, um, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, that yeah. standardization is really interesting. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. Because I, I could go anywhere and I'm not going to be flummoxed about how to put gas in my car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's kind of an odd one. You have to yeah. Imagine figure if out you the go software. To, yeah. If you go to Gulf and they say, well, you don't have the Gulf app, so you can't get gas today. Sorry. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a great policy. <laughs> no, I was recently um, just sitting in a hotel lobby and a man came in and said, I can't. I can't charge my car. It's not working. And they said, well, you need the app, the charge point app. Wow. And he said, I don't want to get an app and stormed out. And <laughs> I was like a little microcosm there of, of the challenges, I suppose. Yeah, I feel that uh, in, in a lot of areas. I feel that when I get yeah. coffee lately. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, you got to embrace it, I think. <laughs> when I... Every time I want to buy something now, they're like, are you in our club? You're not in our club. I don't want to be in the club. I just want to buy this. Right. right. (laughs) Used to be able to go in and get a pound of coffee. And now it's like, did you pre-order using the app? (laughs) What? (laughs) We don't have any staff. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's one way to address the labor shortage. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on to other California energy items. Uh, here's some reporting from Linda Daly Paulson. The California Energy Commission approved almost $18 million in grant funding at its June 8th meeting, during which it also heard items that could lead to further diversification of the state's energy generation resources. Uh, the five-member commission barely had a quorum with both Vice Chair Siva Gunda and Patty Monahan absent. CEC awarded a total of $17.7 million in grants including $3 million to the University of California Regents for research into natural gas infrastructure corrosion technologies and residential methane emissions, and about $8.5 million in bringing rapid innovation development to green energy or bridge grants from the EPIC program. Uh, this funding pool was awarded to companies scaling up battery-related or battery replacement technologies on the consent calendar, which passed unanimously, was approval of the Sacramento Municipal Utility District Power Purchase Agreement for geothermal energy from Calpines 
the geysers facility, as well as instructions to load serving entities related to submissions of electricity resource plans for the 2023 integrated energy policy report. That's the CEC's report um, covering 2020-21 and forecasts to 2031. Lastly, the commission also approved a proposed joint decision regarding the 400 megawatt PECO and 500 megawatt GEM energy storage centers. The question before the agency was whether the proposed compressed air storage facilities uh, respectively are exempt from the notice of intention process, which is typically used for thermal power plants. Uh, the agency put both in a single decision and voted unanimously to exempt the plants from the NOI process. Uh, commissioners reiterated the vote has nothing to do with approving construction of either proposed facility. It just moves both projects forward toward the permitting process. So again, that's from Linda Daly Paulson. And I guess I'll turn it over to you. You wrote, uh, Abigail, about the Arizona Corporation Commission, again, denying SRP peaking units. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, it's pretty interesting. They uh, they reheard, well, they didn't rehear the matter. They voted on whether or not to rehear the entire matter over it. It's a very large natural gas peaking plant expansion in a historically black community outside of Phoenix. SRP, which is a publicly related, uh, publicly owned utility, so not normally regulated by the ACC, but given that the ACC has the authority over power plant and transmission line siting, this has this has come before them, and they denied this major gas expansion in Coolidge uh-huh. because really the people there don't want it, and there's also a lot of public opposition to any new investments in natural gas. So it's a it's a pretty interesting situation. Uh, SRP seems to feel that they really need the gas in order to get the more renewables on their system, but they're asking for, you know, such such a big increase. They're they're going from six units that are currently at Coolidge, um, which is 615 megawatts, and they want to add an additional 16. <laughs> so it's going to be, it would be really enormous. And um, what what is absent from this discussion is like, how about maybe just add eight or <laughs> four sure. or something, you know, but nobody's bringing that up. It seems to be all or nothing and it remains nothing. So <laughs> next stop could be the courts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I noticed, um, SRP said they're forecasting 1,200 megawatt growth in demand by 2025, a 16% right. increase. That That's a big increase. It is a big increase. I mean, it's a few years out, but, you know, mm-hmm. also, and, and, you know, I didn't get into, the, into it in this article this week, but, you know, supply chain challenges are looming for everyone across the industry and everywhere, and obviously not just in terms of battery and solar panels, et cetera, but being able to get the planned renewables online in time to meet any kind of peak peaking or <laughs> baseload mm-hmm. or anything, you know, um, is, isn't likely to happen. Um, yeah. You know, give, given backups, but I mean, a lot, a lot remains to be seen, of course, but it's, yeah, 
Looking interesting. I've seen a, a great deal of skepticism as to whether SRP really needs these units. Um, I imagine the truth is somewhere in the middle from what SRP is saying, what it needs. Yeah. Um, but there are real concerns, as we all know, about uh, finding capacity out in the markets right now. Right. And the time it takes to build new resources. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Reading between the lines there, I, I wonder if SRP isn't looking to be able to provide some of that peaking capacity in the markets with, with this many units. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, right. yeah, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> SRP did say it plans to add two gigawatts of solar to its mm-hmm. portfolio by 2025. So it's not like they're anti-solar, right? <laughs> No, definitely not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. But th- what they're saying, too, is that, you know, APS got approval to expand its peaking resources a um, few years back when, you know, I guess it appeared a little more palatable to the general public in 2014. When, yeah. Uh, yeah, when this Ocotillo expansion project happened. But Ocotillo for uh, APS was was like 510 megawatts and, and SRP is proposing 820. So... It's sure. Yeah. Quite a bit more. Yeah. But also, you know, load is increasing. It's really growing in Arizona. And as to your story, Mm -hmm. uh, EV adoption is really taking off everywhere. And EV manufacturing is taking off in Arizona. So, yeah. That even increases load. It's amazing to see. The growth in Phoenix, I guess, you probably have a lot of Californians moving there. <laughs> I hate to say. That's nothing new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Californians moving, full stop. Uh, yeah. So they're, yeah. going, they're going places. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so you're going to tell us about some clearing up items. Dan Catchpole could not be here today. Um, right. So... You want to get into that a little bit? Yeah, moving moving over to the Northwest, uh, the big topic in clearing up this week is it's to to breach or not to breach the Snake River dams. That is the question, um, of course. So, uh, <laughs> good one. A couple of stories by Casey McAfee there um, on a report that recently came out addressing uh, the cost of breaching the four Snake River dams, which would be between 10.3 and 27-something billion dollars. Um, These dams, of course, are major generation resources, major carbon-free baseload generation resources in the Pacific Northwest, uh, providing 4.3% of the power in the region and 11% of BPA. So, you know, really brings up a lot of reliability considerations and, you know, goals around reaching, you know, reducing emissions and everything that are constantly on the minds of everyone. But but there is the issue of uh, the impact to salmon and the effect on tribal interests and resources in the area. And those are estimated to be as much as 14.3 million pounds of salmon annually that tribes are missing out on um, as a result of these dams. So that sure. is another thing to consider for sure. So, you know, that that's why it's an issue. Um, Casey talked to lots of folks, lots of stakeholders on both sides of the issue. And um, yeah. Yeah. So one of, one of whom pointed out that 
this is really all up to Congress. <laughs> there's yeah. not there's not going to be any dam breaching unless a federal judge puts it back on the table. So, you know, report all you want. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything until that happens. Um, yep. And you mentioned the loss capacity. This is also, you know, zero emission capacity for the most part, or it's at least classified that way. Exactly. So, you, know, you know, what kept coming up in my mind is that, you know, you're just, you're talking about putting the genie back in the bottle with this one, really. You know, it, it's had some major impacts, but now we're relying on yes on the resources that it also provides. And and other other folks quoted in uh, Casey's article were saying, you know, BPA ratepayers are paying for fish mitigation efforts, and right. if you take these dams down, that goes away too. So. And, and they're sure. also saying, you know, reports on that uh, suggest that the salmon are doing a lot better. You know, I, <laughs> I'm no expert there, but, uh, sure. you know, maybe, yeah, maybe this isn't quite the time it has been suggested. So, yeah, especially yeah. when you look at the tight supply across the West right now. And absolutely. This is, uh, yeah, a lot of myriad issues. You can read more on this at newsdata.com in our clearing up section. That's reporting from Casey Mahaffey. What else is going on? Also, well, uh, on, the, on the topic of the zero emissions, everything, you know, um, a Norwegian battery builder is coming to Bellingham, Washington, uh, according to, to Dan Catchpole, who could not be here to talk about it himself today, but... Uh, Corvus Energy is planning to build a big factory in Bellingham to meet the demand for EV boat batteries. Wow. <laughs> um, there's a, yeah, real, real demand for clean shipping along, you know, with taking emissions out of other things. Boats have been a long been a polluting part of the economy and, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're well positioned there in the Northwest to, address that uh, you know there then corvus has built maritime batteries for the industry before and has some that are up to six megawatt hours so and, and they're working on one that's actually up to 10 megawatt hours but they haven't finished it yet according to the article so that would be a new and interesting one to, to see how that all all shakes out yeah as you mentioned uh a lot of potential for cleaning up the shipping industry, not only on vessels, but also ports, mm-hmm. which you're seeing happen in California. But, yep. wow, it's going to take a long time to replace all those vessels and and shift that energy uh, usage over. Yeah, and I you know, I wonder, you know, can it, will it take replacement or can they be converted? Um, what are all the implications of having a, you know, battery operating big ships. I, I just don't know. And uh, how would they be charged at sea? <laughs> Presumably with panels, etc. Yeah. Wind. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Ocean wind. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's some uh, brainiac people working on those solutions as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> excited to see that. See all these things happening. It, it is, it is definitely an interesting time to be alive. It's sometimes a little, bit frightening <laughs> <laughs> yeah um definitely an interesting time to be covering energy in the west this, oh yeah that's what keeps this job keeps us hopping and uh 
but I'm enjoying it. I know you, you are also, you're very dedicated to it. And, uh, definitely. So yeah. this is what we do. Well, you, you've done it for longer than I have, but, uh, you know, all, all the folks who have uh, deeper roots in covering en- energy say that, you know, it, it's more intense than it's ever been. So uh, I'm, I'm yeah. excited to be here now. But uh, <laughs> it really is. I'm, I'm a little bit shocked, I, I have to say, it. just a lot of these issues that we're looking at, especially the nationwide blackouts, uh, yeah. potential blackouts. It's, it's kind of hard to believe that this is where we ended up with. Uh, you know, the United States and its energy planning, but this is not an easy thing. Not right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an afterthought for too many people, but well, it won't be. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's changing very quickly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, you don't think about it until it's not there. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up here for this edition of Energy West. Thanks for listening. You can read more of our coverage at newsdata.com. Nobody covers energy in the West like we do. Follow us on Twitter. CEM is at CEM News Data. That's the letter CEM News Data. Clearing Up is at CU News Data. Again, that's the letter CU News Data. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Have a good week, Abigail. Yeah, you too, Jason. Enjoy your time. All right. There in the forest. Yeah. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow.